0: Ziemskis, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the GX Hockey Cast. We're on episode 86, Nikita Kucherov of my little hockey show, where once a week I go through all of the major news and what's happening in the NHL, mainly focusing in on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Calgary Flames, because those are my two favorite squads. But I'll be talking about all 32 teams on this podcast. So, what is on tap for today? Well, there were some big trades that went down right after I recorded last week, so we'll be breaking down a couple big trades. The All-Star Game fallout has happened, so we'll discuss what has happened with the All-Star Game, some announcements that went down throughout there, and I will be finishing off my mid-season report cards, and we will finish that off with the Western Conference. Did the Eastern Conference last week, so you can go back and listen to that, so let's dive into this. Let's start with the all the big trades that went down last week. We'll start out with your Calgary Flames. They finally did it. They pulled the trigger. They traded away Elias Lindholm to the Cal- to to Vancouver Canucks, which also is very weird. I find it very strange and also strange that not many people are talking about this, but Flames and Canucks in the same conference, in the same division, and they've been doing a lot of trading with one another this season, so that is very interesting to me but regardless the trade has gone down Vancouver Canucks acquire Elias Lindholm and the Calgary Flames acquire Andre Kuzmenko Hunter goodness gracious that is a hell of a name Bruce Wicks Joni Germo a 2024 first round pick and a conditional 2024 fourth round pick so Again, it's very early into this trade, but I am very happy with how the Calgary Flames came out on on the other end of this trade. So, we got Andre Kuzmenko coming into the organization, and I know he has not been having a, a great season this year. He has found himself... Or found himself in the doghouse with Rick Tockett, and his ice time's gone down. Getting healthy, scratched uh, fairly consistently throughout the season, and last year was an amazing season for him. He had like 38 goals, first season in the NHL, coming over from the KHL, and he looked amazing, looked absolutely amazing, and it was just gone this year. So honestly, I'm I'm very happy to see Kuzmenko coming over to Calgary, a new change of scenery. He's got an opportunity to uh, try and get a new, better relationship with the new coach in Calgary, and so far, so good. He scored a goal in his first game as a flame on the power play in a victory against the Bruins, so that's a good sign. It's essentially money in, money out with that deal. Kuzmenko and Elias Lindholm's deals are very similar in cap space right here. Andre Kuzmenko, I do believe, has another year on that deal, which I'm good with, that Gives uh, the Flames a top six option for next season as well. And I like like the idea of Andre Kuzmenko with the Flames. They are desperate for offense. If Kuzmenko can become that 30-goal scorer again, that's going to help out the Flames a lot. And who knows, if they can get his game back together... And they get him back to that 30 goal, maybe 60, 70 point kind of guy. They can move him for a hefty price at next year's trade deadline and the offseason, something like that. I think the Flames are going to do a good job at getting Kuzmenko back to what he was playing like last year. Does he get to that, you know, that exact level that he was last year, almost a 40 goal guy? Maybe not, but I imagine he's going to be playing better than he has been with the Canucks this season. Uh, the other two pieces that were added, uh, Brews, Zedswix, and Germo, we won't know anything much about these guys at the moment, so we'll kind of let them bake in the oven for a little bit, and we'll get back to them in a few years. How's that sound? Okay. You get a 2024 first round pick, which, I mean, it's it's Canucks, they're like first place in the league, it's, it's basically a second round pick, but first round, it has that, it has the... The name of a first round pick so that's good um, not necessarily surprised that they threw that in there too but yeah first round pick sounds good and a fourth round pick as well i think the condition is if vancouver makes it so far into the playoffs something like that so i think the flames did very well honestly with that First round pick, I mean, the picks, the prospects, it's, we won't know anything about that for a bit, but I think Kuzmenko could, you know, we know that he's not going to have the defensive abilities that Elias Lindholm had, and he's also not a center, but I think um, it's not going to be that drastic of an offensive loss, losing Lindholm, he wasn't having an outstanding season for the Flames or anything, so yeah, I like what the Flames did, now with Vancouver, they get Elias Lindholm, that's it. They get rid of Kuzmenko, which, yes, it wasn't working with them this season. They get rid of that cap space. Bring in Lindholm. He already scored two goals and an assist, I think, in his first game as a Canuck. Look great. So, yeah, I think, I, I think both teams get what they want right here. If you want to call it a hockey trade, I guess. But Lindholm, that is going to help out the Canucks in their top six, down the middle, defensively. Lindholm's a great player. It's just that... Yeah, since he's lost, you know, Goudreau and Kachuk on his wing, he hasn't been that 40 goal, 80 plus point guy. So there's definitely a lot more skill on the Vancouver Canucks. So far, so good. So we'll see how it goes for Elias Lindholm. I think... For both sides, I think Kuzmenko is going to do better as a Flame. And I think Lindholm is going to do better as a Canuck this year than he has as a Flame this year. So I like the trade for both sides. And I'm just very happy as a Flames fan to see that they they did the right thing the flames they they needed to move off of Lindholm it would have made no sense to re-sign him for nine million dollars for eight years or whatever it's just not the position that the flames are going to be in I like what they did so I'm happy Canucks fans I I'm imagining that they're happy that they're getting that confidence boost from the GMs like we believe in this team here's a reward for your great play here's a nice shiny new Elias Lindholm so there you go and the other... Well, let me know what you guys think of the Vancouver-Calgary uh, Flames trade. And is it just me or is it really weird that the Flames and Canucks are doing a lot of business with each other lately? It's weird to me. Now we get to the other deal. Winnipeg Jets and the Montreal Canadiens make a trade. The Winnipeg Jets acquire Sean Monahan, And the Montreal Canadiens acquire a first-round pick in 2024 and a third-round conditional pick in 2027. So people losing their minds a little bit uh, actually a lot honestly that sean Monahan got a first round pick for him i mean that's just some really good work out of montreal i think a little bit disrespectful on sean monaghan i mean i it's it's winnipeg's first which is basically a second so you can take that for what it is but sean Monahan's had a really good season uh this year he bounced back yes he's still dealing with some injuries but been in the league forever. He's got a ton of respect around the league. He's a center. Going to be a great addition for the Winnipeg Jets down the middle in their playoff run. Is he the piece that wins them the Stanley Cup necessarily? I don't know, but uh, it's a nice piece to add. Yeah, it's a little rich, I guess, a, tw- a first-round pick. But you would have to imagine there is a lot of other teams sniffing around at Monahan. You would have to imagine with Lindholm gone that... Boston and Colorado were on Monaghan even more. So yeah, I imagine Montreal got in a bit of a bidding war and they got themselves a first round pick out of it. So good job for Montreal and nice for Winnipeg. They add themselves a quality top six, middle six player, great depth, good, just a good freaking player. So I'm good with both of these trades. I would much prefer that uh, the team acquiring the player, get it done as soon as possible. Like don't wait for the deadline. If you know what you want, you know what you need, just go out and get it as soon as possible because then they have the most time to get accustomed to their situ- their new situation. So Monaghan coming from Eastern Conference Montreal Canadiens going back to the West might be a little bit of a of a transitional period for him, but Sean Monahan did spend a majority of his career with the Calgary Flames who are in the West. So maybe there won't be, maybe there'll be just some nice familiarity for Monaghan. He gets in there and just... Fits in great from the Winnipeg Jets. So far, you know, Winnipeg and the trades that they've been making recently have all been pretty damn good. I mean, and even signings bring in like Ryder and stuff like that. Uh Winnipeg's done well, so I'm excited to see what Sean Monahan can do for the Winnipeg Jets. So those are the trades. Let's let's swing over and we'll talk now about the all-star break let's uh, let's discuss that so I actually did partake in all of the all-star festivities over the weekend I watched the draft now I didn't sit down and and dedicate my whole night to watching these things like doing some dishes I was watching the the draft on the side um, all the other stuff I was I was generally doing other things playing games whatever but I had the draft on in the background now I know it wasn't it wasn't great. It definitely wasn't great. I did have a couple of giggles. You know, there was a couple of solid giggles. Um, a lot of controversy around fucking Michael Buble being on shrooms. I mean, good for him. Like, I would have been on shrooms too if I had to go to that freaking thing. But uh, it definitely, like, it went exactly as we kind of expected it. All the Leaf guys drafted the Leaf guys. The Vancouver Canuck guys drafted the Vancouver Canuck guys. There was a ton of... Like awkward. I don't know what to do. I don't know who who I should pick between the teams. Um, They had all the players mic'd up, who were like doing the picking and the and the captains and stuff. A little bit of awkwardness there, uh, especially at the beginning when they like realized they're all mic'd up. I remember they picked David Pasternak, and they're like, "Are you gonna actually fucking play? You better play and stuff like that." So it was it was okay. And then the skills competition. Connor McDavid wins. I mean, yeah, he designed, he helped design the whole skills competition. He's also more than likely the most skilled player in the NHL. So, him winning it, not really all that big of a surprise, but I was fine with that. I thought the competition was okay. Everyone ragging on Kucherov for not giving the effort, but. Kind of like Kucherov throughout the weekend, being the villain. I thought that was a ton of fun. And him giving it to everybody on the All-Star game, that was also fun. But, I don't know, the skills were okay. It it wasn't extremely entertaining. And then the tournament. I think maybe the the actual three-on-three tournament might have been the best thing of the weekend. I think I found myself enjoying that a little bit more. Team Matthews ends up winning the tournament. And Austin Matthews wins the MVP. Um... I mean, there were some pretty damn good performances. I thought Philip Forsberg, Matthew Barzell, Boone Jenner even, who, you know, I gave some stank to, to Boone Jenner. I said, nah, he shouldn't be an all-star, and he scored two goals. Pretty nice goals, too. So, you know, Boone Jenner, I thought, was also really good. And, of course, the goaltenders. All the goalies were out there doing really good. It wasn't embarrassing, like, oh, they let in 12 goals. It wasn't, like, a 9-11 to game. They were, like, respectable, like, 5-4 5 to 4 kind of games and and the the effort was there not defensively but <clears throat> the hockey was pretty good it felt like old school 3 on 3 where it was just honestly back and forth like consistent odd man rushes happening and it was a good pace fast hockey it was enjoyable, I thought it was pretty good, uh, the competitiveness was fine, and yeah, Austin Matthews wins a million bucks, McDavid wins a million bucks, people complaining, like, oh, the rich get richer, and so on and so forth, but it was all to try and get a better performance out of the players, and I think they did. I thought the performance from everyone was better, but is the All-Star Game still like a put-everything-down-I-have-to-watch-this? I Absolutely not. It was just... Fine. It was okay. It's not meant for people like us, the hardcore hockey fans. It's meant for kids. Like, it's a kid thing. You bring your kids. They have an amazing weekend seeing their their favorite players in situations that you're not normally seeing them. Like, hanging out on the weekend, doing some fun stuff. You know, it's, it's for the kids. So, I, as from what I can tell, they did a really good job. The people that were there had a ton of fun. And that's good to hear. And ratings were way, way up. Last year in florida was just a disaster all said and done that was just a really shitty all-star game and this one in toronto was much much better um I, I think they should they should consider just putting it in the same place year after year maybe just continue to have it in vegas or just keep having it in toronto regardless it wasn't bad so what would y'all think of the all-star game and what was your favorite moment of the all-star game I feel like I'm gonna. It's going to be a lot of Michael Bublé high on mushrooms. Now, was he actually high on mushrooms? I don't know. Um, probably like I mean, there's probably other people high on mushrooms too, and they're probably doing like the looking quickly side to side. Like, oh, geez, like I'm I'm high on shrimps, too. Hopefully, nobody notices me. But Bublé just happened to mention micro dosing or whatever the fuck. So now he's a now he's a shroom head. So there you go. It was pretty all right. The the celebrities as well. I guess I'll mention them. They were okay. Buble was the best. Um, what's the other guy's name? Uh, De- I don't know. That guy, he was fine. Bieber with his big goofy coat was whatever. And Tay McRae was just sexy. Downright sexy. I don't know who she is, but that performance, my goodness. That was, that was some good stuff, and she seems like a nice gal. So, yeah, let me know what you all think of the All-Star game. And we got some interesting um, what do you call it? Announcements, uh, from Batman You know, I watched that little interview with Gary Bettman and Ron McLean. It was hard to watch, like, Ron McLean is such a pushover, and him trying to grill Bettman for answers is just, like, trying to watch a baby, like, fight fucking John Jones in the UFC or something. I don't know. It was, it just wasn't a fair fight, and Bettman just shut down almost anything that Ron McLean tried to get out of him, but, Bettman did say that the NHL is returning to to the Olympics in 2026. So yeah, a lot of excitement around that. But I'm not I'm not getting any excitement until I see them on the ice at the Olympics because this is what happened last time. Said we're going. Left the door open that they can back out at any moment up until the fucking final hour and that's exactly what they did so i'm not getting excited about that announcement until i see mcdavid and crosby and matthews on olympic ice so cool that they announced it but until it happens i'm not believing it and also in 2025 there will be a four nations cup so yeah that's kind of just like a in-house nhl tournament I don't know how they're going to set up those teams or whatever, what four nations are to be represented. You would have to imagine, like, North America, Europe, blank and blank. Like, I don't know how it's going to work, but regardless, more best-on-best best tournaments, that's always good with me. And again, not really going to get too hyped up until I actually see the tournament happening with my eyeballs, but announcements are have been made. And also, Bettman saying that he's confident about Arizona getting their arena situation all done, also mentioned uh, the possibility of expansion, at this point he's saying it's just like at talking points, there's no official this, there's no nothing, nothing really moving, no, nothing like that, but uh, the idea of expansion happening, I mean, yeah, it's going to happen, is it going to happen tomorrow, probably not, is it going to happen next year, probably not, but at some point, there will be a 33rd, 34th team added to the NHL. But some people did notice that Gary Bettman's confidence um, sounded uh, a lot less uh, than normal with the Arizona Coyotes. And I mean, at this point, it's uh, it's still not being handled very well. You would imagine, I think we're two years in now to Arizona playing into it at this arena, the mullet. Apparently, they're not selling out the mullet anymore. Prices are very high over there, and they just need to get this figured out. And they still have no, nothing's in motion yet. And we're, I think they said they're only supposed to be in that building for three or four years, and we still got nothing in motion. So not a good look, not good. But um, we gotta hope at some point the Arizona Coyotes get this shit figured out because you know there's a good, enjoyable team there that I I I want to see get out of this and just be a fucking normal hockey team. We don't have to talk about this shit over and over again, but that's kind of what I got out of the All-Star break, and I can only imagine that one guy that didn't get a whole lot of enjoyment out of the All-Star break was Todd McClellan, who has been fired as the head coach of your Los Angeles Kings, and yeah, census sounds like it's um, uh, unfortunate that McClellan, or uh, McLennan, is that his name, McLennan, Todd McLennan, getting fired here, it sounds like it's not his fault, he's a good quality coach, it's just They can't get a save right now. The whole team is just falling the fuck apart. The Dubois situation is getting worse and worse and worse. And yeah, it just seems like um, a lot of the blame now is starting to come to Rob Blake, their GM. And, you know, people have been on Rob Blake for quite a few years now. I feel like almost... Oh no! It's been mostly, I would say, rocky with Rob Blake. He he did make some moves that seem to make the fans happy, but now uh, at the point that the team is at, uh, it's it's not looking very good for Rob Blake in the future for him if he cannot right the ship after firing the coach. So uh, a lot of scrutiny being thrown at Rob Blake for bringing in players like Kevin Fiala and the Dubois trade, especially so. Kevin Fiala, they brought him in Very talented offensive player But doesn't really bring a lot to the 200 foot game And that's kind of what LA's bread and butter has been They've always been a very, very kind of uh, turtle team Very strong shell Very hard to penetrate this team Very good defensively And then they started kind of getting rid of 200 foot players, they started getting rid of depth, and they started bringing in highly talented players, they brought in Dubois, which was questionable at the time, like, there wasn't really a lot of smoke around Dubois joining LA, like, there was the idea, but everyone thought he was going to Montreal, signs a big ticket with with the with Los Angeles Kings, they make the trade with Winnipeg, and we're looking at how how good Winnipeg is doing right now with all the pieces that were added in that Dubois trade. They get rid of Dubois, which was a headache in that of itself, and now he's playing with Los Angeles, and very much look, so looks like a player that has secured the bag and doesn't really have to play up to those standards anymore so it's looking it's just really bad right now like Dubois is having a drop off almost like it's not as bad as like Huberdeau and Goudreau but it's it's up there man like he is very much so not performing even close to his contract standards and the idea of potentially buying out Dubois was brought up on the Steve Dangle podcast last week. They crunched the numbers, and it's scary, but it's something that I think LA might have to look at at this point. So if... Uh, the Kings were to buy out Dubois now They would be able to do that if they did it this year And they would be able to get it at a reduced cost Because it's a contract signed at 25 or under So their um, their buyout penalty would be lessened So it would be something like 1.5-ish million dollars Over the course of 14 years If they wanted to buy them out So yeah, that would be not great you know that would be in the lines of like a rick dipietro getting paid by the islanders i think he's still getting paid so if la wanted to do that that would be a a 14 year situation that would be brought up all the time all the time multiple times a year whenever there's something going wrong with la like oh there's that dead dubois contract that's on the books and so on and so forth so um that that window is closing very very soon because Dubois will be over 25, and then the the buyout penalty will increase if they want to wait until next season. So that door is open for them to do that. It would look horrible on the Los Angeles Kings organization, and if they did buy out Dubois, I feel like that would be the final thing that Rob Blake does as a GM. He would be fired, because that was your idea, bro, and, and yeah, that would be not good, but they would free up that contract and get Dubois out of there. And yeah, but is it too early to do that? Like he's only been there for half a fucking season. And who knows? Maybe he turns it on in the back half and absolutely finds it, starts playing top six minutes. Maybe they move him to the wing. Is that the answer? Like, I don't know. I feel like they brought him in there to be a center, but you look at the center depth of Los Angeles, it's really deep. Dano's still there. Have you anyone for remember Jano? He's still good. Anyway, Los Angeles having a horrible time right now. They gotta figure this shit out and fast. New coach, I don't even know what, what the fucking name of this guy is, but they also brought in DJ Smith to be an assistant coach on the bench, so that could help. A lot of people saying that DJ Smith would probably benefit from being an assistant coach he just seems to be uh, a player's kind of guy he communicates better with them and when you're an assistant coach you get to be the good guy more often than not so maybe dj smith finds a really good spot there we'll see where it goes but right now very not good with the los angeles kings they got to figure it out real fast Speaking of figure it out real fast, the Buffalo Sabres and the Pittsburgh Penguins need to figure this shit out fast. So uh, in terms of Buffalo, I don't think they're going to figure it out because uh, Samuelson is done for the season. He had season-ending surgery, and Samuelson... Doesn't really get the the appreciation. I don't think that he deserves in Buffalo. Very important defenseman to that team. Defensive defenseman. Stay-at-home guy. Very, very reliable. And whenever he's out of the lineup, the, the Sabres struggle. And he's going to be done for the rest of the season. So the idea of Buffalo having an incredible back half and maybe get back into the playoffs by some fucking miracle... Probably dead at this point. Samuelson, very important to them. So, yeah, not good news for the Buffalo Sabres and the Penguins trying to figure out their problems by signing Jesse Puliarvi to a two year contract. Not worth very much a million bucks or so. Actually, it's uh, $800,000 per season. And yeah, it's a very low risk signing. A former, what, third, fourth overall pick. A few years, well, quite a few years ago now. He's 25 years old. Uh, could he find that magic with Crosby? If they throw him up there with Crosby, could he turn him into a Brian Russ? Maybe, but yeah, we'll see with Jesse poole Um I was surprised. Like, I thought he was with somebody somewhere. I thought maybe he landed in... Uh, uh, with Seattle or something, but here he is with Pittsburgh. I mean, if he if he can find some chemistry with Malkin Crosby, one of those guys that could really help. And I'm rooting for Jesse Puljuhari. Man, like, it's been a lot of Edmonton Oilers prospects that have not panned out, and they kind of just disappeared. And like Yama, Yamamoto, he's just cut. Like, there's been a lot of guys, and I'm hoping that Jesse Puljuhari isn't going to be another one of those Edmonton Oilers first round picks that just doesn't pan out. Hoping that Jesse Pugliarby can get it going and at least become an NHL player again. I mean, he was a top five pick. I want him to succeed somewhere, so hoping that he can find some success with Pittsburgh. And speaking of success, the Vegas Golden Knights are successful at ending the Edmonton Oilers' 16-game winning streak and stopping them from passing or at least tying the Pittsburgh Penguins for 17 wins in a row. And that happened the other night. The Vegas Golden Knights shut them down. 3-1 to one victory. I watched that game. It was pretty good. Uh, Vegas, outside of that first little, you know, mistake where they kind of accidentally let McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl go in on their goalie on a 2-on-0, and they absolutely cashed that. After that, Vegas shut it down, man. Like, Vegas made it extremely hard for Edmonton to really get in anywhere into the offensive zone they had their chances but whenever they did Aiden Hill shut the door Stuart Skinner was really good it was a it was an enjoyable game now it wasn't it wasn't the the game of the year that everybody was setting it up to be it was fine it was a fun game there wasn't the I didn't feel the hatred it just felt like very competitive hockey like they were not there was virtually no room for anybody and yeah, I feel like Edmonton's best opportunity was to strike early, and they only got the one. If they could have got some, maybe another goal or two, they, they might have been able to hold off Vegas, but Vegas came in with a goal in mind. They wanted to stop the Oilers, and they did just that. So very impressive game played by the Vegas Golden Knights, and now we got to watch out for the Edmonton Oilers and make sure that they don't go into a little skid. Very easy, I feel like, to go, to, you know, not not have a big deal about losing a few games. After winning 16 in a row, is it that big of a deal to lose three in a row? For me, yeah, absolutely. Do not blow that amazing momentum that you just built on that huge winning streak. Don't go into a losing streak now and just wreck all that hard work that you did. And it's not like it's it's smooth sailings for the Edmonton Oilers. They They have just dug themselves out of a really big hole. And it's not; they're not safe yet. There's still lots of teams around them, and they, they can't just turn it off yet. They got to keep it going, keep playing really good. At this point in the season, everybody is saying that the Edmonton Oilers is going to win the cup because they're the hottest team today. But have they peaked too early? Did they just peak too early? Are they go- did that wipe them out? Is that going to make the back half less great, or are they just going to continue dominating the league now that they know they can do it? So we'll keep our eyes out on the Edmonton Oilers. As we keep our eyes out on the 2018 World Junior Team situation that is ongoing, a uh, minor update with that. So this one was rather interesting to me. So uh, the teams that are involved with this, Philadelphia, Calgary, uh, the other teams, uh, all the players that are gone for this situation away from the team they have been granted cap relief for those players so they won't be paying i think they're still getting paid but it's not going to be on their cap book anymore so they're getting relief they're getting a benefit out of that which is interesting What makes this even more interesting is Washington Capitals, Evgeny Kuznetsov has entered the player assistance program. And what has been brought to my attention is that when a player enters the player assistance program, that team does not get any cap relief, which is rather interesting to me. I feel like teams should absolutely be granted the cap relief. Uh, Mostly, like I know there will definitely be a possibility of tampering with that. I, I understand that, but Uh, When a player is going into the assistance program... There will be a a, a pressure in the back of their head uh, that will be like, hey, uh, great and everything that you're, you know, looking to better yourself, improve yourself as a human, do whatever you need to do and fix the problem. But also, you know, uh, you are making $9 million on the salary cap and you're kind of, you know, hindering our team. You're not here and you're still, you know, hindering our team with the money that you're making. So, you know, it'd be great if you returned back as soon as possible. Yeah, great. Thanks. So... I feel like, you know, that would be, at least for me, you know, that would be something playing on my mind. Like, I'm, I would feel like a burden to my squad. Like, yeah, I'm not here. I'm not helping. I'm, I'm, I'm a burden to my team. My money is still affecting them and stuff like that. I, I would feel. The urge to want to return as fast as possible maybe even returning before i feel like i'm ready i may lie and just be like I- i'm good i just want to get back I just don't want to have that anxiety of feeling like a burden to my team so i found that very interesting like i don't i haven't heard it being like a problem or anything but i just found that interesting i think that's really weird i think teams should be granted uh something granted something like your player like I, I, that, just that just sounds weird to me. So yeah, the players that are involved with a, a a scandal are getting are getting cap relief, and then players that are just trying to improve their their lives are are still you know being held accountable for uh, against their team. I don't know. It's just something that I was thinking about, and it just really made me think. So that was rather interesting. But regardless, hopefully that Evgeny Kuznetsov will get whatever help that he needs. And take your time, man. Like, just just get it done. Get it done right. And, you know, there's been a lot of stuff around Kuznetsov for years now. Years and years and years. He, and it, it seems like this is where... This was inevitably going to lead up, so just hopefully he gets the help that he's looking for, and we can move on. A little note that I forgot to mention with the Toronto Maple Leafs last week, Austin Matthews hit his 600 point in the NHL. Congratulations. He had a really good week, obviously winning the MVP at the All-Star Game, hanging out with all of his best friends, and Justin Bieber, and yeah, being the King of Toronto for a weekend, or a week, or whatever. Every day he's the King, you know what I'm saying? So... Good for Austin Matthews, and let's now get to the main event. Let's go and do the Western Conference report cards, and we are going to be kicking it off with the Vancouver Canucks, who I I cannot say that I came into this season thinking that Vancouver would be at the top of the Western Conference at this point of the season. 50 games played now 34 11 and 5 is their record they have won four of the last five 18 4 and 2 at home 16 7 and 3 on the road they're doing good on both ends doing really good at home and i hope more than anything that the vancouver canucks fans are having a good time they've had a lot of rough years and this has got to be one of the best years I think they've ever had, possibly in their whole entire existence, Thatcher Demko is playing like a Vesna caliber goaltender again, 36 games, 27 wins already, a 920 save percentage, five shutouts. Insane, Casey Casey DeSmith, no slouch either. And then the offense this year has been insane. JT Miller, sixty-eight points in fifty games. Pedersen, sixty-five in fifty. Quinn Hughes, a defenseman, sixty-four points in fifty games. Amazing. First year as captain, and boy, howdy is he ever popping off. Brock Besser is finally a thirty-goal scorer in the NHL. He has thirty goals in fifty games. Awesome. Philip Haronic has been an excellent addition. New guy, Elias Lindholm. He scored, I think, three points in his first game. So things are looking pretty freaking nice for the Vancouver Canucks. Dakota Joshua's popping off. Uh, Ilya Mikheyev's been a pretty good addition. Teddy Bluger as well. Nils Hoglander has 14 goals. I mean, Sam Lafferty has 10 goals, which, I mean, the Leafs would have loved to have kept. There's been a lot of good things going on with the Vancouver Canucks this year. First in the league for goals for, second in goals against. That is the the makeup of a very good fucking team. Sixth place power play and a 16th place penalty kill. That's about the only area they can improve is their penalty kill. But Vancouver doing great. I'm going to give them an A for just being awesome. Just awesome. Dallas Stars, you're up next. Pretty damn solid team for quite a few years now. 31, 13, and 6. Their first place in the Central. Third place in goals for. 13th goals against. 13th power play. And eighth place penalty kill. Pretty good right there. And yeah pretty standard uh feeling with with dallas coming in i feel like everyone was was gonna be like yep they're gonna be a really good team they got a really good roster with some good goaltending good forwards and good defense um i think the more hardcore dallas fans would be a little bit disappointed or i don't know i don't, uh, maybe underwhelm might be too strong of a word but they just kind of been coasting you know Ottinger having a good but not great season, 905 save percentage. Scott Wedgwood rocking an 899 right now, mostly because his workload has been increased quite a bit this year with Ottinger's injuries. And then offensively, we've had some dippage here, obviously with, with Jason Robertson. He's got 50 points in 50 games, but only 17 goals. Rocking over 100 points last year. He's not up to that Robertson level this year. And neither is really Rupe Heinz. 22 goals is pretty good. 47 points in 48 games. That's really good. It's just Rupe Heinz usually has a little bit more than that. But I feel like Dallas Stars as a whole, it's a team this year. They're going to maybe take their foot a little bit off the gas, knowing that the playoffs are. Are in their future. So I think they're going to be more of a, a playoff-focused team, but Matt Duchesne what has been an excellent addition, 46 points, 49 games. Joe Pavelski is an anomaly. The dude gets older, and he just keeps getting better. He's like 40 years old. He's got 43 points in 50 games. Get out of here. Tyler Sagan's having a pretty nice bounce back. Uh, s- still not living up to that contract, but but better. Mason Marchment's stepping up. Wyatt Johnson, he's stepping up after a really slow start. Muro Heskinen, really good, great defenseman, a little lower on points than I would like because I drafted him in my fantasy league. Jamie Ben, yeah, not as good as last year. Thomas Harley's been great. Evgeny Dadnov's been an all right addition. Sam Steele, not bad either. Um, Good team, man, good team. I feel like they're just kind of chugging along. I'm going to give Dallas a B. We get to the Colorado Avalanche. 32 15 and 4 is the record right now. They have won three of their last five. Let's just get into the Colorado stats right there. We got second place in goals four, 19th goals against, ninth place power play, and a ninth place penalty kill. Looking pretty good right there. And we know we know about this roster, baby. You got Nathan McKinnon shredding the league to just ribbons right now 85 points in 51 games he is tied right now for most points in the league with Kucherov Miko Rantanen uh fairly far behind but also an incredible season for him 67 points Kale freaking Car, 60 points in 46 games 13 goals already just out of control Valerie Nich- Nichushkin doing good he's just got to get back in the lineup Fucking Jonathan and man. It has been a pretty good fit. 49 games played, 30 points, 10 goals, 20 assists. Not uh, bad. Devontae's keeps rolling. Ross Colton's been really good. Logan O'Connor's been really good. Ryan Johansson. Kind of a disappointment. I I will say that he's been a bit of a disappointment. Bone Byram, as well, hasn't really taken that next step that we have been looking for out of him. And then the goaltending, a little bit up and down here. So Gorgiev started out great, has been okay lately uh was selected for the all-star game so there's that he's playing a ton of games though 42 games colorado could use a backup goaltender because they've been using ivan prosvitov who i think is on waivers right now or or got sent down uh 895 save percentage so goaltending could use some help colorado could be in that john gibson market they could be in the market for a big goaltender but You know, everyone had high expectations, they were a cup favorite coming in, and they're living up to their expectations, playing good, they've had some lulls, but they've managed to get through injuries and stuff, I'm going to give Colorado a B as well. We move on to the Vegas Golden Knights, your defending Stanley Cup champions, uh, 51 games, 30, 15, and 6. They have won three of their last five games, and right now they're 13th in goals for, 7th goals against, 19th in power play, and 14th in penalty kill. So some pretty okay numbers. They came flying out of the gate this season. Was one of the best teams I have ever seen coming off of a Stanley Cup win. I was blown away. They were playing so freaking good. And it's been, you know, a little bit mediocre lately. Uh, Goaltending's been pretty damn good. I mean, you got uh, Logan Thompson. Majority of the game's played. He's got a 906 save percentage. Pretty good. But then there's Aiden Hill. Only gotten into 18 games so far this year, but he's 13-2-2, and rocking a 9-38 save percentage. He is leading the league in in, in goaltending, and if he could just get into some more games, keep those numbers up, this dude might fuck around and win a Vezna. He's been playing amazing terms of the team it's a really it's we know it's a good team they won the stanley cup they're made up of pretty much all of the same guys lacking you know riley smith and stuff but mark stone excellent jack eichel excellent march so, still excellent 25 goals nothing to sneeze at it's the team man we know what vegas is all about they're big they're heavy they're hard to play against they're 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 very good defensively and they can score so vegas doing really good Considering they're coming off of that Stanley Cup and they're still playing very well, I am going to give them a B plus. I am very impressed. Even though they've gone through their lulls, but they came off a of Stanley Cup, y'all. They're tired, they're gassed, and they're still doing very well. Now we get to the Winnipeg Jets, 5th place in the West. Uh, not doing great lately. They've, they've lost 4 of their last 5 games here. But in 48 games, they're 30, 13, and 5. Pretty friggin' impressive, man. Not a lot of hype around the Winnipeg Jets coming into the season. 16th in goals for, first place in goals against, power play is 24th, and their penalty kill is 27th. So you can see that the MVP of this team is without a doubt Connor Hellebuck. Guy has been insane, and that's off of a slow start. He had a really bad first couple weeks, but he's turned it around. 36 games, 23 10 and 3 and he's got a 923 save percentage. Absolutely amazing and Laurent Boswat, he's also been really good, a 926. So goaltending has been outstanding for the Winnipeg Jets and so was Mark Shifley. He's been excellent. Nikolai Ehler is having a pretty nice bounce back season after a bunch of injury problems. Josh Morrissey doesn't look like it was just a flash in the pan, playing really good this year. They just added in Sean Monahan. Cole Perfetti is having a pretty nice season. You know, he's gone. He's gone through his cold uh, spots where he's gone pointless for like eight games, but then he's gone on point streaks of like eight, nine games. So Cole Perfetti is looking to, um, looking like he's having a breakout season right here. He's got 30 points in 48 games. Kyle Connor dealing with some injuries, but he is still Kyle Connor. He's got 18 goals in 32 games. Name pretty good addition. Need a rider, a good addition. Adam Lowry, the new captain playing very well and all the new guys that they added from the Dubois trade, Valardy, Aya Fallo and there's another guy was it Kupari? Was that the guy? Regardless, their, their new additions had made them deeper than ever, and they were able to re-sign Connor Hellebuck and Mark Scheifele, a team that was looking at to maybe be dead and going into a rebuild, is now one of the strongest teams in the West. I am giving Winnipeg a A for their efforts this year, a very surprisingly good team this year. I believed in them. I had them going into the playoffs, but... Yeah, I didn't know they were going to have this good of a year so far. And they're, they're looking very strong still. And now we get to Edmonton. This is going to be tough. So we got a 29-16-3 record. Um, that was not the case a month and a half ago. Goals for their sixth. Goals against their eighth. Power play fourth. And penalty kill fifth place. Wow. Top 10 in every category. Very, very impressive. After that horrendous start that got fucking Woodcroft fired, they've turned this whole year around, man. Stuart Skinner has managed to get himself up to a 9-10 save percentage now. He's 23-10-1. He's been excellent as of late. Calvin Picard, a nine fifteen, and his eight appearances can't complain. And the Jack Campbell thing. Well, you know, we'll just kind of forget about that. He's 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 not with the team right now. Connor McDavid, he's Connor McDavid, 68 points in 44 games. Stupid. Leon Dreisell, 58 points in 46 games. Stupid. Zach Hyman has 30 goals in 45 games. Stupid. 47 points. How you doing? Nugent Hopkins, been excellent. Evan Bouchard, excellent offensively. Evander Kane, doing his part, Warren Fogle, an animal, Matthias Ekholm, one of the best additions the Edmonton Oilers has ever done in their history, Ryan McLeod, he's fast, Darnell Nurse, he's Darnell, Cody Ceci, he's Cody Ceci, regardless, team top to bottom has improved so much since this this turnaround, they got Corey Perry here now, so that's going to make them even harder to play against Connor Brown, can you please score a goal for the love of God? I, I love you, and I just want you to score a goal, please. Yeah, man, Edmonton, it's tough after, like, that that ridiculously bad uh, losing spree at the beginning. But the 16-game winning streak, I will flip it around, and I'll give the Edmonton Oilers a B B+. Uh, they're definitely going to take a hit for getting Woodcroft um fired uh there was no reason for them to have that shitty of a start but i don't know i guess they wanted to have some animosity thrown into their season but yeah edmonton doing really good right now then we get the la the uh, um oh boy uh, kind of a little bit of the opposite lately great start uh 15th place oh sorry let's start with the record 23 15 and 10 now fourth in the pacific 15th place on goals for 6th place goals against power play 16th and penalty kill is first in the league. So uh, interesting team. Very, very interesting team is the Los Angeles Kings and starting with their goaltending Cam Talbot, a recent all-star, not so much an all-star anymore at this point, 14, 13, and five, a nine 11 save percentage, which is good. Nothing wrong with that, but his play recently along with the whole team has not been up to snuff. But then all of a sudden we get the emergence, the re-emergence of big save david David Riddick, all of a sudden playing out of his mind. He's played 11 games, he's 5-1-3, he's got a 9-25 save percentage, so if he can keep that up, he might be able to save the Los Angeles Kings. And who would have thunk it? Dave frickin' Riddick is going to be the savior, potentially. And then offensively, I would say the whole entire team has been a letdown. Uh, Kevin Fiala, he's got 43 points, a minus 6 in 48 games. Adrian Kempe, he's got 43 points. He's been okay. Anze Kopitar, he's been okay. Quentin Byfield started out great. He's still having a really good season, 35 points in 46 games, but he's slowed down. Trevor Moore, I mean... Fucking Trevor Moore, he said he's so good, so good. Love that guy. Philip Deneau getting it done. Drew Doughty playing too many minutes. He could use some help there. And then the biggest disappointment on the team: Pierre-Luc Dubois, 20 points in 48 games and a staggering minus 16, which is by far the worst on the team. So, Luke, they gotta figure out Pierre-Luc Dubois. They gotta figure out this guy because he is wrecking this team. And uh, they also gotta figure out Arthur Kaliev. They gotta figure out what's going on with that guy. Carl Grundstrom should be producing more than that. They got young players in the system that haven't made an impact on the team yet. Clark Brandt and Alex Turcott looking for more out of those guys. But yeah, recently the Kings are struggling really hard. Uh, with the play of Big Save Dave, they have been playing better lately. They have won four of their last five games, which is great. They did get their coach fired, which is not great. And uh, yeah, so that being said, I'm going to have to go with a B- minus right here for the Los Angeles Kings. Um, I'm not forgetting their insane road record that they started out with. Uh, it is now, I think it was 11-0, and right? They're now at a at 15-6-4. and So yeah, they picked up a lot of extra losses now on the road. Their record is still good. Good on the road, but it's they're not like the Road Warriors they were, and they gotta figure out how to win games at home. Los Angeles B-St minus Louis Blues, a team that I had more confidence in, I feel like than most people coming in. Uh yeah, and it seems like most people were right. 26, 21, and 2, 4th place in the central, 26th in goals for, 17th, goals against, 25th in power play, and 21st on the penalty kill. Um, Honestly, I think goaltending may be one of the most surprising things of this team. Binnington and Hofer have been playing very good. Both got a, well, 9.08 for Benner, 9.09 for Hofer, 35 games for Binnington, and 18 from Hofer. Um, I really don't know who the starting goaltender is at this point. I still think it's Binnington. People think it's Hofer. I don't know. Like, Binnington hasn't lost the net, I don't think, this year. If anything, he has earned the net. He's been playing great. Um rest of the team i mean robert thomas has been playing really well he got selected to the all star game pavel bushnevich has been pretty good and then yeah the rest of the team's kind of been a disappointment kairu is not playing up to his standards braden shen not playing up to his standards he's a minus 17 Kevin Hayes, a decent addition, but, you know, 21 points in 49 games. Uh, Probably expecting a bit more. Brandon Saad, eh. Corey Krug, eh. Yeah, just a lot of eh going on. Like, Jake Neighbors, 15 goals in 49 games. Only four assists. Um, An an interesting season going on there. Colton Pareko, what's going on with this guy? They're going to trade him. Kapanen, I was expecting more out of Kapanen. He's only got 13 points. Uh, Jacob Varana has only gotten into 21 games so far Only two goals, six points total, a minus seven So that hasn't really worked out as well as I hoped uh, Yeah, man, St. Louis has kind of really just been putting along uh, Not really getting much momentum at all throughout the season I'm going to give St. Louis a C I think they've been better than most people have expected But I've expected them to be a little bit better than this So I'll go with a C They've been meh, kind of just meh We get to Nashville now. They have lost three, four of their last five games. Currently rocking a 26 23 and two record. Fifth place in the Central. Two or uh, 19th place in goals for 20th in goals against power play. 20th penalty kill. 25th. So they're not really thriving in any one thing. We know that UC Sorrows, not really having a UC Sorrows-like season right now. A 9.03 save percentage through 40 games played. He's playing a hell of a lot. Uh, Kevin Lankanen not doing a whole lot of helping with an 8.95. But Askarov, in his two appearances, has a 9.43. Maybe he gets some more games down the stretch. So, offensively, Philip Forsberg having an awesome season. I'm curious to see if he's going to have that That usual Philip Forsberg back half where he just goes insane. And he's had a great first half. 51 points in 51 games. 24 of those are goals. Doing good. Roman Yossi, great season. 51 games played, 45 points as a defenseman. Ryan O'Reilly, 42 points in 51 games. Very good addition. I think he fits in perfectly with that team. Gustav Nyquist playing pretty damn well. And then the rest. I mean... Some of the younger guys like Novak's been pretty decent. Tomasino has not been bad. Uh, I know Tyson Berry doesn't really want to be there. He's not having a really good season right now. Cody Glass, you would hope for more out of him. But he's only been in 23 games. Only got three points and a minus 12. So not great, but for so- somehow Nashville continues to kind of keep themselves in the mix. Do I think they're a real threat for the playoffs? I mean... If they get in there, I mean, UC Saros is, is, always has that game-stealing potential. But, um, yeah, I don't know. The team is very eh, but uh, the Ryan O'Reilly edition has been pretty good. I'm going to say, I don't know. It's hard to judge. This team has been very much so in the middle. Similar to St. Louis, they haven't really gotten a lot of great momentum. They've had some good weeks, some bad weeks. I'll give them a C as well, kind of hitting right in the middle. And we get to Seattle up next. 50 games played. They're 21, 19, and 10. Currently 5th place in the Pacific. Uh, goals for they're 27th in the league. Goals against 10th. Power play 15th. And penalty kill 20th. Ah, uh, oh, Seattle. So, they had their big old winning streak, which was interesting. Uh, they've definitely fallen off since then. But Joey Decord, absolutely the story of this team right now. He's stolen the starting goaltender job. 34 games played. He's got 15 wins and a 921 save percentage. Outstanding. Very, very good play out of Joey Decord. Who knows where this team would be right now if they didn't have Joey Decord playing and they were stuck with Philip Grubauer, who is an 884, just unplayable. Get rid of this guy. He sucks. Uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand's having a pretty good season, but no one on, on, on the Kraken are really having an outstanding offensive season. Bjorkstrand leads them with 40 points in 50 games. Vince Dunn's having a nice season for a defenseman. He's got 37 points in 46 games. That's pretty good. Uh, McCann's got 20 goals. But, yeah, offensively, no one's really, really doing anything crazy. They would really like to have Burikoski healthy and playing, that would that would help them out, but that's not that's not how it's going. Shane Wright's only gotten into three games, no points there, so that that situation is still ongoing. Uh I'll go with a C minus for, for the Kraken. Uh definitely disappointing after the season they had last year. They did have that 10-game winning streak, but I feel like that's probably going to be their highlight of the year. Now we get to Calgary. My Calgary Flames. It's been a disappointing season, man, 23, 22, and 5. They're 6th place in the division, and they're starting to sell off pieces. Uh, 17th place for goals for, 14th goals against, power play, 26th, and their penalty kill is 3rd place, shockingly good. We get to the stats of this team. Well, we know that Markstrom has been playing very well through 30 games. He's got 15 wins, a 9-13 save percentage. If he gave the Flames that last year, they would have been in the playoffs easy-peasy. Not the case so far, but Markstrom's been good. Dan Vladar... Not so much. And then Dustin Wolf in his five appearances, he only got the one win. He's an 893, but still looking like Dustin Wolf will be the future in net for the Calgary Flames. Now, when it comes to offensively, uh, no one's really blowing me away other than Blake Coleman and Igor Sharangovich. These two have been highlights for the team offensively. Both men have 20 goals apiece in 50 games. I'm impressed, man. Sharon Govich, he's already got 20 goals, which was like, I was hoping 20, 25 goals. He's already at 20 in 50 games. So very impressed with what Sharon Govich has been able to do with the new team. He's a minus 14, which isn't good, but he's got 20 goals. And Blake Coleman, finally... Starting to live up to that Blake Coleman that I was hoping we were going to get a few years ago. 20 goals, 20 assists, 40 points. I mean, guys having a career year. And then there's the Huberto situation. Oh my God. What? $10 million? He's got 29 points and a minus 14. Not good. Just not good. Mackenzie Wiegers having a pretty nice season. Anderson, not bad. Andrew Miapani, our man, Japane. Eh. Noah Hanovan, eh. Uh, Connor Zeri, you know, the younger guys, he's got 24 points in uh, 40 games. Pretty good, not bad. A.J. Greer's played pretty good. Adam Ruzicka played... Playing pretty okay. Dylan Dubé, well, he's gone now. We'll just kind of go over that one. Matt Coronado, a little bit disappointing. I can't say it's extremely disappointing because he's a young player. 15 games. He, he only got the one goal. And, uh, just hoping that, you know, Matt Coronado, he'll bounce back. And he'll become a, a good goal scorer for, for, the, for the Calgary Flames. That's who we're talking about. Uh, they've already traded off uh zadorov he's gone just traded away lindholm he's gone brought in kuzmenko who i think could be a nice fit for the flames down the stretch we'll see where it goes and there should be other pieces now that lindholm's gone good chance they move off a of Hannifin, and who knows who else uh also nice to note that shillington is back in the lineup now after being away from the team for like two years it's only gotten into three games but Really good to see him back in the lineup. Flames have been really disappointing for me personally. I'm going to give him a D plus. Um, I, I I will admit I'm being harsher on the Flames, but um, it's just been disappointing. Actually, i I might I'll, I'll make go C just because they did trade away Lindholm, which is what I think they needed to do. I'll go C minus C minus for the Flames. Go to Arizona now. 23, 22 and three. Sixth place in a, in the Central. Um, 21st, goals for, 15th, goals against, power play, 14th, and penalty kill, 18th. So nothing detrimentally bad, uh, nothing very, very good, right? So yeah, kind of classic Arizona, hanging around the lower mid area, but Connor Ingram's been a story for them. Guy's been outstanding, Nine sixteen save percentage through 32 games, 17 wins. If they can get Carl Vemelka to get back to it he's only got six wins in 20 games so that's got to improve he's been uh not good for them but thankfully Connor ingram's there clayton keller continues to be one of the most underrated if not the most underrated player in the league uh has been really really good for them this season lawson kraus Another player I feel is extremely underrated, especially what he brings to the to the to the team, man. He's a big old power forward. He hits, he shoots, he scores, he does a little bit of everything. Love that guy. Nick Schmaltz, also really good. Uh, Sean Dersey, new addition, they've done really good with him. Alex Kerfoot, new addition, he's been okay. Logan Cooley's having an okay first rookie season for himself. He's got 25 points in 20 or 48 games. Only six goals, so you're looking for a bit more goals. Carcone's got the goals going though. He's shooting 23 fucking percent. 15 goals, that's not bad at all. Um, Yeah, it's just a team that is still coming together. They're still, you know, they need some bigger pieces uh, to get here with the team. But uh, it's been just a standard season for the Coyotes. I can't say there was a lot of expectations. They're not shooting over the moon. They had a good start, but they're starting to fall back into typical Arizona Coyotes uh, area. So with that being said, I'll give them a C because there's never a lot of hype around Arizona. Minnesota got minnesota here 49 games played 21 23 and 5 they are 7th place in the central division i imagine not where they would like to be right now goals for 18th goals against 25th power play 17th and penalty kill 30th doing really bad with the penalty kill and yeah it's just been a disappointing season all around man Philip Gustafson not having the season that he had last year. 8.96 save percentage through 29 games. Marc-Andre Fleury at an 8.97 through 23 games. So goaltending hasn't been great. Kirill the Thrill hasn't been quite Kirill the Thrill. Like he's got 45 points in 42 games, which is really good. But you would be expecting a little bit more out of Kirill. Uh, Joel eriksson I think, is having a great season. Matt Zuccarello having a great season for his age. And then you get to the the young crop here. So Matt Boldy, Brock Faber, Marco Rossi. Um, up and down, I think Brock Faber has been excellent for a young defenseman. Everyone's going nuts about this kid. And Boldy and Rossi, they've been... They've been good. They've been good. They're still looking for that next step. But I think they've been pretty good. Ryan Hartman, uh, generally a disappointment. Marcus Johansson, eh. Yeah, the team just has not been performing well. Goaltending's been a letdown. Defensively, they've been uh pretty bad, I would say. And offensively, it's just, yeah, the team is struggling right now. That The cap penalty from Parise and Suter, uh, it, it's taking a toll on its team right now. They're doing... Decent considering, but yeah, there was a bit more hype around this team coming in. I feel like a lot of people had them for playoffs. I don't think I did, but yeah, it's not been a good season for Minnesota. Gonna go with a C minus for the for the Minnesota Wild. Anaheim Ducks. Now we're getting to the bottom of the barrel here. Got Anaheim through 50 games. They are 18. 30-2, their 7th place in the division, uh, Pacific Division, 29th for goals for, 26 goals against, 21st power play, and 22nd penalty kill, so uh, bottom bottom third in every category, that's not going to do you very much good, I I am a little bit surprised at the goaltending, uh, both of them are over a 900 save percentage, not by much, but Gibson and Dostell uh, doing the best they freaking can, I can imagine. And offensively, you know, no one's really blowing me away here. Troy Terry leads the team with 37 points in 47 games. Eh, not bad. Frankie Frankie Vertrano, you know, 22 goals in 50 games. That's pretty good. More than likely going to get traded at the trade deadline. Maybe Adam Henrique as well. Mason McTavish has taken a nice next step. Um, 31 points in 43 games is pretty good. Minus 17, uh, not so good. Ryan Strome's been pretty good. Cam Fowler, just just for, that guy is a duck. That guy ain't going anywhere. He is a minus 26 though, which is horrendous. Leo Carlson's having a solid first year. He's been dealing with, Injuries and the load management that the Ducks have been giving him. He's gotten into 31 games, 19 points, a minus six. Not too bad considering it's the Ducks. Pavel Michukov, the defenseman, has been a kind of a breakout uh, star for them this season. 40 games, 19 points, minus 11. Pretty, pretty all right for a young defenseman on this team. Trevor Zegras has fallen off of a map. He's on the trade block now and only gotten into 20 games this year, dealing with a lot of injuries and only put up seven points. So, yeah, not a lot of good things going on with the Ducks here. I'm going to give him a D+. Plus. Um... I think they're honestly playing worse than they should be, so that's why the D+, but again, no one expected them to really make any waves, but there's been a couple of, you know, pulses of life with McTavish and at least Mishukov getting better, and Carlson looks like he's going to be an absolute stud in the league, but the Ducks suck. Speaking of suck, San Jose sucks, They've they've been sucking, not so much suck lately, but they suck, they still suck. Um... 14, 32, and 5. 8th place in the Pacific. 30... Holy shit. 32nd goals for. 32nd goals against. That's... That's going to be bad. 22nd on the power play. And 31st in the penalty kill. So, damn near bottom of the league in most of all those categories. Goaltending. I mean... Mackenzie Blackwood's doing the best that he can out there. Uh, He's finally under a 900 save percentage, 899. I can't really shit on the goaltending too much. They have probably the worst defense ever put on ice. Um, What can I say about the guys on the team here? Um, Hurdle's been okay. Uh, Zetterlin and Eklund have been okay, I guess. Like, uh, there's really not much good to say here at all. Um, Just... Yeah, just try to do your best, San Jose, at getting uh, Celebrini, and uh, D D for the San Jose Sharks. Not not a lot to say here. Chicago, we got the Chicago Blackhawks, winner of Connor Bedard last year, fourteen thirty four and two is their record, eighth place in the Central. 31st for goals for, 28th goals against, 32nd on the power play, and 26th in the penalty kill. They're doing bad. They're doing really bad, but by design. Peter Mrazek, though, is playing way too good for 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 this team he's got a 9 10 percentage through 34 games that's very impressive when you consider the next guy is Soderblom he's got an 873 so yeah uh M- M- might find himself traded to like Colorado or something we'll, we'll have to keep our eyes out on Peter Mrazik uh Connor Bedard in his first season 39 games, 33 points. Really good, considering he's got, like, no assistance on the wings. Like, Taylor Hall's down. Philip Kurishev is probably the most uh, talented winger that he is playing with, but he's also a center, so I don't even know if they're playing with each other. It's been god-awful through and through. I mean, Connor Bedard and Philip kurishev probably the only... Highlights if you want to call it that. Like, yeah, it's been great to see Connor Bedard and what he can do. He's very, very talented. He's hurt right now, which sucks, but yeah, man, this team is awful. But they're doing it by design. So C minus, I guess. They're virtually unwatchable without Connor Bedard. So yeah, there you go, everybody. I've managed to get through all of the freaking teams. I did it! I actually did it, and there you go. So that's all the stuff I, I want to talk about this week. Let me know what you think about all the report cards. If you want to listen to last week's episode, I did the Eastern Conference report cards. I think there's only one team that got an F, and I'm pretty sure it was Ottawa, I think. Uh, anyway, yeah, Oh, overall, you know, it's it, there hasn't been teams that have been like, very bad like like this year it's there's more what's that word that they like to use parody in the league like i feel like it's a lot more tightly knit other than like those three teams like chicago anaheim san jose i feel like you know there's a lot of a lot of grouping in the middle there's not teams taking off with it like boston did last year there's some good teams but yeah, there's definitely been some disappointment with teams this season. But yeah, what do you guys think of the report cards? What do you think of the All Star break and all of that crazy stuff? And there you go, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the Hockey Cast. You guys are awesome. You want to be even more awesome, though? Hit that like button, hit that star rating, review the podcast, do whatever you got to do for the little guy over here. It only takes a moment of your time. And boy, howdy, does it ever help me out a whole bunch. So if you could do that, please and thank you. Very much appreciated. In terms of what's going down with the with the GX Plus cast this week, uh, should be just a nice normal wrestle recap this week. I don't think there's any big pay per views going on, so I can I can take it easy with the wrestling. Uh, gaming, I want to do a list video this week. Rather, I don't know more underrated games, top ten franchises that I, I like, something like that. Gonna do do that, and yeah, we'll be back again with the hockey cast next week with so whatever the fuck is gonna go down this week. Probably some more crazy stuff is going down as I speak because big NHL news always goes down once I'm done recording. So that's the way it goes. That's just the way it goes. So, apologies if something big is happening right now and I'm not talking about it, but there you go. That's the show, everybody. You guys are awesome. Make sure you're following along on Twitter. There's a YouTube channel, GamerGX Videos, where I upload all of these episodes. You can watch them. Great place to drop a comment. If you've got any questions, concerns for the podcast? wrestling video games hockey general podcasting questions questions in general send them on in i would love to answer them live on the podcast be a ton of fun got to answer my first question last on the last wrestle cast that was a lot of fun so there you go thank you everybody so much for listening we'll be back again with some more gx plus cast